Imagine peeking into the office of other copywriters, copywriters doing their thing day in and day out and making a success of it. Comparisonitis can be our undoing, but it can be incredibly useful to hear how and why other copywriters make the choices they do. Today, I'm talking to Chris Cooper, freelance copywriter and dynamic team player, according to one bio I read. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to ask him about that in just a little while. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and that's where you're going to find all sorts of courses, coaching and content about copywriting. This is when I normally say hello to Kate, of course, but today it's just me and my guest, Chris Cooper. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you. Excited to be here. Well, let's talk about that bio that I mentioned in the intro. Yeah. Your LinkedIn profile explains you are a that you help funded SaaS companies improve conversion and reduce churn by creating better copy. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a very solid bio with a clear niche and a benefit. So copywriters, your bio needs to be clear about what you do, who you serve, and how they benefit. But then I read this other bio on a place called Creative Hot List and it said, you are a dynamic team player. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you about that. Did you choose that phrasing? Do you remember writing that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm as intrigued by it as you are. I don't have any idea what that is. You need to Google yourself a little bit more often. But I, I, yeah, I suppose I should be a little more... Uh, narcissistic about my my own bios or something. I know what it's like though. We write bios for ourselves and we put them up and we move on with our lives. And then years and years later, you're being interviewed on a podcast and someone That's says, right. dynamic team player, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I'll take it. I mean, there are worse <laughs> things, right? Um, the, bi- the, the, the bio thing is the worst thing ever, right? Because people always want a bio and I feel like I should write a new better one every time. And then I just go into panic mode and I just don't do it at all. So yeah, somebody drags one out from four years ago and (laughs) I will, I will stop harassing you about that because I think we've got a lot of good stuff that we can actually talk about. Now for the listeners who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I am, I am a, a former English teacher turned copywriter. Um, launched real good writing about four and a half years ago. I, I was, uh, sort of moonlighting as a copywriter on the side while I was trying to exit the teaching profession back in, I don't know, 2013, 2014. And, um, somebody that I knew had asked me to, to come on as a writer with this little agency here in Denver. And, uh, I went home and Googled copywriting and figured out what it was and then started doing that. And then now here I am four and a half years later with a, the business. But, uh, no, I, I, aside from that, I, I have three daughters and live in Denver, Colorado. And, uh, we were just talking before, before we hit record here, but, uh, recently purchased a new house and we're moving in a few days. So. Yeah. So you got a little bit on. Yeah. It's been a little busy lately, but it's good. It's all good. I, I find that, uh, the busier I am, the more focused and prioritized my schedule becomes. And I, I actually, I feel like I do more. I don't know if I do, but it feels like I do more. Yeah. I think a lot of our listeners will have um, a lot of empathy for you, (laughs) but you know, a lot of our listeners are also building a business around their family and around their other commitments. And I think copywriting really does provide that 
perfect inroad. Of course, if you're like most of us, you're working 10 times harder than you ever did for anyone else. It's, uh, it's hard to turn off. I think is the thing is like, because it's yours and you're, and you're thinking about it all the time. There's like always a moment to squeeze something in. And I think, uh, my kids help me prioritize some of those things. And I try really hard that when I'm, when I'm at home, I'm at home and, you know, I, I still do things when they go to bed and things like that, but I try really hard not to squeeze in a moment here or there and like check an email or whatever while, while I'm supposed to be with them. So, yeah. Cause that can, that really adds a, an overhead. I'm a terrible one for that. And it, it means you never end. It never ends. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good at, it was one of the things that I did early on is I, I, I wanted to be really good about drawing some boundaries. And when I, when I was home, I was home. And um, when I was at work, I was at work. So let's um, jump into that. I'd like to know what an average day looks like for you. For me, it's, uh, I take the kids to school and then I, I go to work from there. So I have an office that's separate from our house. I tried when I first started, I tried to work from home and that was just, just not good for me. I needed a place to go away and like have some separation. And so I've had an office, um, for, for most of the time that I've been out on my own. Uh, but in the morning I drop off the kids. Um, that's about eight o'clock. I get to work. Um, I actually spend about an hour or so in the morning, just, um, like going through, um, my own routine that I've kind of perfected over the years. And it sort of drops me into what needs to be done. So I don't, I don't check email. I don't respond to anybody right away. Um, I sit and like, uh, it's, this always feels awkward to tell people out loud, but I sit and I have a vision that I've written for myself and I reread that vision every morning. Um, I have a template that I've created for myself of, um, some daily habits that I tried to keep to. And so it's sort of this checklist and, um, I kind of check in on all that stuff and set some priorities for the day. Um, I set an intention every morning for what I, you know, what I intend to do or for how I'm going to feel for that day or at the end of the day. Um, and then sometime around nine 30 or 10 o'clock I, I get to work. And then I have time blocked on my calendar. That's just specific to client work. So, um, that's how I, that's how I schedule out my projects and that's how I keep myself, uh, moving forward on everything that needs to happen. And so I've got, um, it's four hours on my calendar. It usually ends up being a little bit more, but, um, blocked out specifically for client projects. And then that allows me to do some of that deep work that writing requires. That's a really interesting start to the day. So you spend an hour or two working on, it sounds like planning and mindset. Is that right? Yeah, I would say mindset is probably the best part of it. Um, I used to get up early and meditate. I tried to squeeze it in when I would be at my office, but there's just, it's, my office is in a bigger co-working space and it's just sort of weird and awkward to try to do a meditation when, when there are other people coming and going. But, um, but yeah, I think it's all mindset driven and it's pretty routine for me at this point. And I have, I, I, played around with this idea that I didn't need it for a while. And so I'd stop doing it. And I just, I, I felt really scattered um, and really unfocused for the day. And so spending that little bit of time at the beginning of the day feels 
sort of silly because it's not directly tied to revenue or I'm not issuing invoices or I'm not on the phone with clients. I'm not generating new leads and, and things like that, but it's critically important to me and getting myself in the right headspace to be able to do all those other things. No, that makes sense. Um, so I can, I can get my head around the planning. I want to talk about this mindset. Mm-hmm. Is it, is it you looking at a mirror saying, I am man, <laughs> I am the man. Tell uh, me what you do. Cause I personally also believe that we can heavily influence how we feel and how we respond to things. And especially if it's linked with our planning with the right intention and mindset. So I'm super interested in this. How do you yeah, do so, so, so mine is, um, for the last few years, I, I'm at a bit of a weird spot because purchasing a new house and growing, you know, my growing family and having this larger home and things have been the vision for a long time. And we finally got there. And so now I have to rework this vision of what, what <laughs> things look like. But, but no, for me, it's, um, I sat down and I just wrote out this statement of what my life looked like and felt like and what the um, sort of day-to-day of it all is and and that's that's sort of the the vision that we're always working toward and is is never you're never quite there but there's always some version of it that gets you a little bit closer to it and so for a long time it was about having a bigger house and um sometimes i i think about um you know the type of car that i'll drive someday or or that my wife will have or um the amount of money that we'll make or or the investments that we have in this place or that um and a lot of those things have come true over the last few years and i think that it's because i remind myself that that's the goal that's the vision every single day um and then there's a lot of it that's uh a reminder of the great results and the great work that i've done for people and the things that they've said about me you know, whether it's a four-year-old bio that I wrote for myself that somebody <laughs> dug up or, or, or something else, but it's, it's a reminder that I, that I'm good at what I do and that people value it and that they're, that I bring value to people's businesses and lives in a lot of different ways. And then, um, to get into the sort of Stuart Smalley, I am, I am the man thing. I do have a handful of affirmations that I read that I, that I've written for myself. I used to jot them down in random places and sticky notes, and then I just decided to put them all in one place. And so I think that there's power in using I am statements and um, reminding myself of who I am and what I've done and, and what I'm capable of. And, uh, and also I think that having that routine is helpful, but I think that those statements are helpful reminders, especially when, uh, when I feel like I'm lacking in confidence sometimes, because that that's something that I have found doesn't always go away. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, things, things ebb and flow. And when they, when they ebb, uh, it's easy to think that you're not doing something right or that you, that you screwed something up. And I think that those statements are important to remind yourself that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I like, I really like that. Um, and it's a, I think that's a really great way to start the day. And we talked just before we hit record about, you know, looking at what everyone else is doing and then that mindset, you know, centering yourself in that must really help with 
when you then get into your day and you start noticing what every other copywriter is doing and we all have this, we look over the fence and we see, you know, there's that whole, you were only seeing everyone's front stage and we don't know what a hot mess everything is happening behind. And we judge, the other one is we judge our first draft by everyone else's last draft and it can really erode our confidence. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, as, as a part of that conversation, I think we started to talk about and, and we stopped, uh, but, but it's, sort of, it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? Because I want to know, know what good work other people are doing. I want to be able to compare myself to an exemplar. I want to I know where, where the next level is and I want to push and I want to I be better at what I do. And that requires watching people who are better than me or further along than me or whatever, um, however you want to quantify that. But at the same time, it also can have the, the, the inverse effect of you're not doing enough, you're not good enough, or you don't know enough, or you're never going to get to that level or, or whatever. And so I actively remind myself to stop paying attention uh, to, to uh, not, not put too much um, value in what it looks like other people are doing because yeah. everybody's doing the best they can. And it's really easy to show the best version of the best you're doing. Um, but nobody sees, you know, the, the money fights or the the day you yelled at your kids cause you were tired or, or short on attention or, or any of those things. You know, I'm not running to Twitter and posting about all the times that I got in a fight with my seven year old over whether she was going to eat dinner or something, you know, like I'm posting about how awesome it was that I talked to this client and they said this thing about me. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I know that I'm doing it. I know other people are doing it. And so it's, I, I think it's important to remind yourself of that. And you just, you just do your version of whatever it is you're doing at that moment. Yeah. I think it's important to catch yourself. I do the same thing. It's good to be inspired by other people. But as soon as I find myself thinking about what everyone else is doing too much, like I'm coming back to it over and over again, then I, that I try and boot myself out of that mindset because I am spending time thinking about what other people are doing that I should be spending thinking about what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, and it's, it's really, it, it ends up being detrimental ultimately, I think. Um, yeah. Be, because you're not you're not doing your thing, and I think that there's so much about copywriting that is about your personality and your voice, and whether people want to say that that's it or not. It, they talk about niches and and processes and systems and all those things, and they're all super important. But I think at the end of the day, it's about clicking with people. And if you're trying to mimic what everybody around you is doing, you're never being authentically who you're supposed to be, and that that shows. Yeah, and it costs you ultimately. Yeah, it does. I absolutely agree. Um, so I listened to your interview with Sonia Simone from Copyblogger FM and you talked about not knowing what you were doing in the beginning but pushing on regardless. And this is something Kate and I have talked about on the pod and we both shared stories about how in the beginning we didn't look at what everyone else was doing because everyone else was obviously so successful and we had no idea what we were doing. So we just worked as hard as we could on what we were supposed to be doing. I think that's that kind of ignorance of how it's all supposed to work can really, and the enthusiasm as well, the enthusiasm you have in the beginning can really help. Did you find that, you know, not knowing what you're doing, but pushing on, did that help you overcome 
the challenges we all have in those first few years? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the ignorance is bliss thing is is fantastic because when I started, you know, I think I mentioned earlier, I just I was like at home googling what is a copywriter. I didn't even know. Like when when my friend approached me and she was like, "Have you ever thought about writing before?" And I was like, "What do you mean, like writing a book?" And she was like, "No, for like like for an agency, like marketing copy." I was like, "I don't even. I, I guess you know." And so, I mean, I I. I I literally came home and Googled what is a copywriter. And I was just researching like ground level, basic information about what this is. And then, you know, there are all these offshoots and spinoffs and versions of copywriting and, and all this stuff. And you don't get into any of that until down the road. I mean, it's just like, you're not even treading water at that point. You're just, you're trying not to drown. You don't even know how to swim. And so you don't have time. You don't have time to do the comparisons and, and the, am I good enough or do I know enough? It's like, look, if I want to make a real run of this thing, uh, I mean, it, it's not even that. I think at one point it was just like, I don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah. You know? So it's it. like, you, you just, uh, you just do the best you can with what you've got and you hope that nobody figures it out. Yeah. That nobody sees through it, you know? And you're just like, and, and you just work your butt off to make sure that you just don't look stupid. Yeah, that's, that, right. that's, it. You- that's it. That's <laughs> it. And then, you, and then finally you get to a point where, and you don't even realize it, but you, you know way more than you think you do. And then, and then that's when so, some of those other scarier things start setting in. Like you start looking around or you start considering what you could be doing instead of this. And, well, maybe I should add on this service or maybe I should add this thing. And then, and then that gets dangerous. Yeah, it does. It gets stressful mm-hmm. and we need to be much more on top of things. Um, so, I also heard you say that you don't call yourself a freelancer. No. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, really early on, um, I realized, it, I mean, it was like a few months in, like after I had launched my business, um, I was having conversations with people. And, and, you know, in those early days, you just take a conversation with anybody and try to turn anything into a job because you, you need to. And that's where I was. And I, I found myself... I, there, something happened. I don't remember exactly what it was, but something triggered this idea that people didn't value freelancers. And it was either because they equated it with, you know, um, freelance websites where they could find super cheap work, or there was the idea that you weren't serious, that you were doing it on the side or that it was some sort of, um, like you were trying to make extra cash. Mm. And I had quit my job as a teacher and I didn't have a, steady paycheck anymore. And I had kids at home and a mortgage to pay. And this was going to be my job. I, I mean, it was my job. There, there was nothing else. Um, and because I was that serious about it, I decided that I needed to portray through my language that I was that serious about it. And so to me, freelancing was being equated with people who weren't serious and I was deadly serious. And so I, I just made a decision one day that I wasn't going to call myself a freelancer anymore. And so I haven't, I, I reluctantly do sometimes cause it's an easy shortcut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not so caught up in it these days as I used to be, but early on it was really important to me to establish some, some credibility um, and, and to let people know that I wasn't, I wasn't doing it for fun. I wasn't trying to earn extra cash to like, you know. Go party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I wasn't trying to earn an extra vacation or something. It, like this was my job and, and I wanted it to be that. So. so what did you call yourself? 
just a copywriter? Um, yeah, I mean, I've gone through a lot of versions of what to call myself. I, I, I always get caught up in the minutia of that. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was always just a copywriter. Um, entrepreneur for a while, business owner, small business, um, any of those, those terms that sort of implied that I was actually running a business and not just moonlighting. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a really good point. Content strategist was your title when we first met in Denver a few years ago. Yeah. We, we exchanged some emails about this before this, um, just to give people context. But yeah, I, w- when I mentioned a second ago about the dangerous ground of adding things to, to what you're good at or what you like to do, uh, that was a result of that. So I, I just, I was writing a lot of content for a lot of different companies and I was doing eBooks and white papers and doing research for infographics and writing landing pages and writing website copy and writing emails. And, um, I, for some reason shied away from calling myself a copywriter for a while. And I was like, Oh, content strategist is much more Serious. Um, yeah, it's a much more serious thing, or it's like a bigger title, or it's like a. And so then I started calling myself that, and then I was a content strategist and a copywriter. And there's a very clear distinction that I'm I'm happy to make from my perspective, um, if you want me to. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, to me, uh, a copywriter is somebody who's focused on on sales and and persuasion and uh, you know generating revenue. Um, a content creator is much more of a nebulous sort of long-term strategy that isn't necessarily measurable by any solid. I mean, there are, there are ways to do it obviously and people do, but um, isn't as doesn't have a solid measurement behind it as something as say a, a landing page and you're measuring conversion rates. Yeah. You know? So um, to me, it was a little more, it was a little squishier and but that's what people were asking me to do. And I, I'm not one to say no to, to much when they want to put a paycheck at the end of it. So yeah, that's exactly right. Well, so, the thing so, I like about content, uh, content strategist is there's this idea that it's, um, it's not necessarily a once off project. There's an idea of connection mm-hmm. in the strategy that there's mm-hmm. multiple steps involved and there's a sense of guidance as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I was doing all of those things. I mean, I, w- I was, I was, I had found my way into some companies that didn't have heads of marketing, but needed, needed heads of marketing and sort of serving as this stopgap almost where you're putting together a little bit of a strategy and you're also directing things a little bit and you're also creating content. And, and I like doing that. I mean, that, you know, there's a lot of ownership in that. And there's, um, if you can find the people who need that, then, then it's a pretty good gig. And I did that for a long time. Um, so what I realized... Stop? Well, that's what I was going to say is what I realized was, uh, so my wife owns her own business too. And we do these quarterly day long meetings where we kind of check in on each other's businesses and set strategies and plans and make sure we're, we're on target for things that we've set from the previous meeting. And, um, nice. That's very organized. Yeah. Right. I know. We're so (laughs) professional like that. Um, and, uh, we were at a meeting and I, I had written this white paper that was just a bear and I, I was just like grumping about it and it was over and done with and I you know uh but I was complaining about it and so we got to talking and I was like if I if I don't have to write another white paper it'd be too soon I just I, I just didn't I was just kind of burned out on it and so we got to talking and about what I liked and didn't like and 
you know, that whole conversation about what do people need and what do you like and where's the overlap and all that stuff. And, um, for me, it's, it's, I, I like the hard numbers of being able to measure, measure things. Yeah. Oh, I understand that. Now, I, what I think will be interesting for our listeners is this idea that you saw the potential for a niche, you did that, and then you changed. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the mindset that once they decide if they're going to do a niche or not, that there can be no changing. So how mm-hmm. have you found that processing, that process of kind of changing the direction of your business, changing your niche, trying something and then doing something different? Yeah, I think, I think it's a tricky balance that I'm not sure that I've entirely got a gra- grasp on. But I think that the danger is in, in changing your mind too often uh, because I see that a lot and I, I have a tendency to want to do that too, where, oh, it's not working. And then you go, well, how long have I given it? Oh, it's been six weeks. Well, <laughs> give yourself a little bit of time, right? Like you gotta, you gotta work to make it work. Um, on the other end of that is hanging on to an idea for way too long. You know, if you've been at it for a year or two and it's not working, I, you know, I mean, even if you're, if you've been trying to gain traction for, for six months and it's not working, it might be time to reconsider your strategy. Um, for me, it was, or is as simple sometimes as I don't like doing this anymore. Yeah. And so I'm just not going to do this anymore. Uh, the hardest thing is saying no. Cause like I said, if there's a paycheck at the end and if that really is your only job and that's what you're relying on, it's not easy to say no to work. But I think that I've been doing this long enough to know that um, working with the wrong clients is a lot costlier than, than saying no sometimes. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't, we don't work for ourselves to hate the work we do. This whole yeah, idea I, of having control over what we do means that we get to exercise that control and it can be a little scary, but we have to do it. It's so scarier than starting our own business. Yeah. When I, when I read my vision in the morning, when I sit down at my desk, my vision doesn't include slogging to work and being miserable for eight hours behind a desk. Like I could have taken a job anywhere and done that. So if that's the, if that's where I'm at, I'm the, I started a business to be in power. I'm the one who can change it. So if I don't like it anymore, then I just don't do it anymore. Now there's always a transition period where you, you, you say no to things while you're wrapping up other things, you know, with existing clients, but that doesn't mean you don't have to go cold turkey on everything. You know, you, you ease yourself off of this one while you move into the next one or, um, you know, or or you, you change strategies and you don't tell nobody's watching. That's the thing is we all think everybody's watching all the time or what are people going to think if I change the copy on my website or whatever. And it's like, nobody, nobody's paying that close of attention. Yeah. That's, that's exactly true. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) But but we think, we think that they are. And so we stop ourselves and it's like, look, I, I started a business to have a, have a, to have the life that I envision for myself. And if this isn't it, then I'm, then I need to make the change. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, when we start our business, we work really hard at getting our marketing pipeline and processes happening so that we can bring leads in. So Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is just changing, um, the type of leads, but investing in that marketing process again, to bring in the kind of clients that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about these, these dream clients. How do you get your dream clients now? Oh, I knew this question was coming. This is how everyone, this this always comes up. Um, I think that 
it comes from what I mentioned earlier, which is having your own voice and being authentic to, to what you're trying to do. Um, that's been the, that's been the time when I've worked with the clients that I love the most or that have been the, I've like, I've had the dream client. My, my, uh, I'll, I'll take a tangent here, but, um, velocity partners out of the UK, um, Doug Kessler is like my idol. I love that guy. I love his work. I love everything their agency does. Uh, and I just randomly emailed Doug one time, just complimenting him on something that he had put out. And he wrote me back and specifically referenced a blog post that I had written years ago. And I was like, Oh, this guy actually took the time to visit my website. Um, and long story short, I ended up doing some work for them. Um, and I was like over the moon. I mean, they could ask me to do it for free and I would have said, yes, like, um, I'll say that (laughs) now, now that they've, now that they've, you know, paid me and everything's, uh, deposited. No, this was like a year ago. Um, but I, I mean, that was it. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to get a dream client. I wasn't positioning myself to work with Doug or his agency or any of those things. It was just a matter of, I admired what they did. I genuinely reached out to compliment him in a way. And then something about what he had seen on my site or for me resonated. And, and that's it. Like to me, that's the simplest version of a dream client is like, you, you just want to hang out with each other and talk and I don't know. And you get some work done along the way too. So how do you get your other everyday paying clients? How do you afford this renovation? That's what I'm asking. (laughs) I don't, nobody does. Nobody affords a renovation. (laughs) Um, you know, it's a mixture of things at, at this point. I think that I've been around long enough that I get, I, I get a lot of referrals, um, which is not something that you can do early on. Um, I don't have to get out and hustle as much as I, as I used to. Um, I just do it. I, I guess I just do it in different ways. So I participate in, um, you know, like online social media things. Um, I'm a member of some groups on Facebook and I, I answer people's questions when I can. I, if I have a question, I know that there are people in there who will be able to answer it. And I think that that sort of helps to establish you in different ways. Um, you know, as, as an expert in one sense or as somebody who's curious and learning in another, I think that those are both valuable. Um, I attend events a couple of times a year. I'm, I'm pretty selective about which ones I go to at this point. Uh, you know, I used to just go to everything <laughs> all the time. Denver, I, I'm pretty lucky by being in Denver because we have a pretty good startup scene and, and tech scene. And so there's always events to go to. And so early on, I used to go to a lot of that stuff. Um, once I was evolved enough in my understanding of how a business runs to know that uh, whenever there's a free event that's offering free beer, there probably aren't decision makers there. So I shouldn't be <laughs> wasting my time by attending those events. I mean, the beer was nice, but yeah. um, so you, you know, you kind of get wise to some of that stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's in-person stuff. It's um, it's having a presence online. It's um, I don't know, focusing on SEO a little bit with your website, making sure your, your stuff looks good. Um, I can't say mine's entirely up to snuff right now. There are some things that I would change on my website right now that I've just neglected, but I think making sure you have a good online presence and um, whether that means participating in social media or having a, having a strong website or paying attention to SEO, like all of those things are super important. It sounds like, um, the too long didn't read is turn up and do the work and turn up and do your marketing, even if it's just a little bit all the time. Yeah. I, I, I'm not good about blogging, uh, for myself. I, 
I don't love it um, in the first place. And, and the second place is like, it gets last on my list of things to do because I have other people who are paying me money and, and, yeah. and writing my own blog post just doesn't do it for me. But uh, there's a ton of value in that. I mean, every time, every time somebody references a blog post that I have, I'm, I'm always surprised because I don't update it very often and it's, and it's um, stuff that's been up there for a long time. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is the things that are there have a personality and they have a voice and they show a thought process. And I think that's what people, people resonate with most. So yeah, show up, do the work, market a little bit. You know, I think showing up is the marketing in some senses. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, um, I, Kate and I often talk about the struggles we have of, you know, the days where we just don't feel it. Um, you have to turn up and write, you have to turn up and do it. And for, for me, that's, I find writing processes, formulas, swipe files, things like that can help me get often just get over the hump of not feeling it because we usually don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think to a similar point, I, on those days when I'm not feeling it, I, I find that if I work on a smaller project or do revisions on something I was working on a few days previously, uh, those are the things that get me into a state of being ready to work even if I don't feel like it, like yeah. taking those, taking those small chunks as sort of stepping stones into some of the bigger stuff. But the things that aren't helpful are like, Oh, I don't feel like writing today. So I'm going to go check Twitter or I'm going to go send a bunch of emails or I'm going to go check my inbox for the thousandth time or whatever. Those things all feel busy and productive. But at the end of the day, on a, on a day that I don't write, I think I'm the grumpiest when I come home. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, because all those other things are like empty calories, right? And, and even if I wrote a paragraph, even if it's like I, even if I lay out um, a, a framework or an outline or a, a template for myself to get started the next morning when I show up, even those things feel good at the end of the day because there's, there is a writing and a thinking process that goes into all of that. It's the days when I sit and spin my wheels that are the worst. And I think that I'm at a point where I realize that if that's how it is, if that's how I'm feeling and, and that's what I'm going to do, it's better for me to just not do anything and just start over later in the day or the next morning or, or whatever. Like, yeah, I couldn't I'm, agree more. I'm not so jam packed in my day that I can't take an hour or two to like go for a walk or go do Reset. something and come back. Yeah. I think that that's really important, especially that from a, from a writing perspective. It's definitely more productive than spending an hour on Facebook. We all love Facebook, but it doesn't help and us, you know, it's usually a spiral into not feeling great about ourselves. No matter how well we craft Absolutely. our yeah. wall. Yeah. I really love that idea of all these these tasks you just mentioned being empty calories. I think yeah. that's a really good analogy. The, the other thing that, that tends to happen, I try not to do this very much. I used to do this a lot, um, but I see this a lot because I'm a part of copywriting groups online um, or on Facebook. Um, and the people who are listening are probably part of parts of the same group, but I find a lot of times that people are on there just asking questions that they could very easily answer themselves if they just closed their laptop for 30 minutes and took out a piece of paper and a pen and just sat with their own thoughts for a yes. while. 
Um, this idea of like crowdsourcing opinions and ideas constantly online and in these social groups are, are also empty calories. Yes. Like there, there's no satisfaction in getting eight different answers to a question that you're trying to solve when ultimately you know that you can answer it yourself anyway. And, and I see that a lot, especially with people who are just starting. And I, and I was, I was just as guilty of it when I was starting too, but for some reason there's this idea that somebody else has this answer or this silver bullet for you. And, and it just doesn't exist. You're going to get too many varieties of opinions because there's no context to your situation. And so yeah. it leaves you feeling just as hollow as not having the answer at all. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I'm reading posts where I could either respond, let me Google that for you or, <laughs> yeah. um, in behind the scenes, it's look at me, I'm starting a discussion topic. Yeah. And that doesn't really add a lot of value. Yeah. No, I, I often find myself like typing an answer that's completely full of snark and sarcasm and yes. then just deleting it because I'm like, well, that doesn't help. I'm anyone. not actually helping anything. Right. And it's like, if, if this is what is, this is what they're looking for, then I suppose that's okay. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, again, it's like wasted time, wasted empty calories. It's, it's not, you're not getting anything from that. I get the most satisfaction from figuring things out for myself, you know? Or, or answering my own problems or answering my own questions or solving my own problems. Uh, yeah. And sometimes that just means closing my computer and, um, and writing for myself. Not, not like journaling. I'm not like, you know, dear diary today. Dear I'm, you know, yeah. It's, it's not that, but it is like sitting down and, and sketching out thoughts and, and just, I don't know, getting some of that junk out of the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's why I, I don't do them right now, but I always found immense value doing morning pages of just stream of conscious writing in the morning and yeah. use that kind of journaling thing. Um, it helps me clear the clutter out of my brain and I find I start to have actual ideas. I know. But I've got to give myself the time and space to do that. And, you know, one thing I've been thinking about recently is if we have if we pack our schedule too much and we're working too much all the time, we're on this treadmill and we think that's what we have to do to be in air quotes successful and profitable and get the car or the house or whatever, then we never have, our brain never has a let up and we never have time to let things bubble to the surface. And if we don't have that happen, we fall out of practice of solving our own problems mm -hmm. and having mm -hmm. our own ideas. Yeah. Yeah. The morning pages thing. Do you, do you do it in, do you go through spurts with the morning pages? Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I'm at I a spurt now where I, I miss it um, because I've been getting up early to, to work before the children wake up and I've mm -hmm. been doing that all year. Um, but now I'm sort of, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the keen edge of the treadmill right now. Yeah. And so I'm missing the self-care things. I'm yeah. missing the space that my brain has to think about strategy and ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. The morning pages thing from, from the artist way, right? Yeah. Assume you're, okay. So the first time I came across that, it seemed like just the biggest load of BS that I'd ever, but I, I did it. I reluctantly did it. Um, and like some of those other things I was mentioning, I convinced myself that I didn't need it anymore. So I stopped doing it. And then, uh, and then I would come back to it and, and, and I go through these cycles, you know, like you're describing. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's always helpful. I'm out of one of those cycles right now. Me but too. I find, I find when I'm really stuck, when I'm really 
feeling frustrated or I'm really feeling the edge of that treadmill as you're describing that just doing it even once or twice a week rather than trying to do it every single day, even if I do it sporadically, it, it's, it's a huge help. Hmm. So I think the lesson here for everyone, including myself, is don't give up on things that you know are good for you. If you can't do them every day, that's fine. Just do them sometimes and it's still useful. Yeah. So what would you say, we're going we're gonna to go into the home stretch now. I'm going to ask sure. you a few questions. What, what is the hardest thing about being a copywriter? The hardest thing, oh man. Um, I think the hardest thing for me is knowing when to stop um, anything. So that in one sense was, uh, I hired an accountant at one point, like early on, um, because I was trying to do all my own books and all these things. And it was like, I don't like this. I'm not good at this. So I should just stop doing this. And then I found somebody who can do it and she's great at it. And it doesn't cost me a ton of money, but the amount of relief that I get from it is fantastic. And it's similar to what we were just talking about. If I'm having a day where there, there are days that just things just don't click. And that's okay. Like I used to think that if I just put my butt in a chair, I mean, this is a little counterintuitive, but if I just put my butt in a chair and sat in my, at my desk and had my computer open long enough that I was going to be struck by some sort of inspiration to like do something. <laughs> right. And that just never happens. And sometimes I can trick myself into doing like getting into the flow of things. Like I was just describing earlier where I do a smaller project, right? I create an outline or, or something like that. And sometimes that works, but even on days when those things don't work, you just have to know when to stop and, and just be okay with the idea that you're going to stop for a little bit. So sometimes that means I'm just, I'm just done. It's like one thirty in the afternoon. And I told my wife I'd be home at four. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just right now and I'm, there's nothing that's going to come out of the next three hours that's going to be worth anything. So I might as well just try again tomorrow and, yeah. and that's okay too. I like that. I like, you're very forgiving of yourself and I think that's important. Oh, it takes work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I, I think that it's the luxury of having done it for a while. You know, if you would have talked to me two years ago, I wouldn't have said things like that, but knowing that there's always another client right behind the one that just left or the one that you just finished with or whatever. Um, those are the things that used to keep me up at night, you know, like where's my next client coming from? Well, now I know that that's, that's a silly worry because I'm at a point in my business where I, I have the luxury of knowing that that's a silly worry. Two years ago, that was completely real and, and scared the crap out of me, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, it's not like I, it's not like that ever completely goes away. There's always that thought, but I think that, you know, you just get better at managing those things. And so I probably, I probably get better at being more forgiving too. I don't know. I like but it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, listeners, you've listened to two very hippy dippy people here talking yeah. about affirmations, mindset, being forgiving, but I think it's really important as well. Um, so what one tip can you leave our listeners with as our last thing, Chris? I mean, it's probably what we were just talking about. I think forgive yourself a little bit. Um, I know it feels like it's high stakes all the time and it's not. Um, it, it's hard to believe that early on. But um, I think if you 
if you show up every day and you commit to what you're doing and you, and you, and you legitimately show up, like you can walk out at the end of the day and say like, I, that was the best I could give it today. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that is, again, it's like another hippy dippy thing, but I, I wouldn't have been able to say that when I, when I first started because every, every moment was life and death, right? Like I was trying to establish myself and build a business and have referrals and put food on the table and all those things. Those are still real realities. I just am smarter about how I do it and I have processes in place and, um, there are systems running and, uh, I don't know. Everything is not as, is not as, uh, critical as it seems. I'll give you an example. I, I'm, I'm being long winded here, but I'll give you an example. Somebody cool. messaged me last week. Um, actually didn't message me. I, if you go to my website and you want to talk to me, you have to fill out an application first so that it's sort of a screening process. Somebody had taken the time. They came to me cold. I had no idea who this person was. They had taken the time to complete the application. I got the notification in my inbox. It was like, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. I read it, uh, on my phone and then I completely forgot about it. And so six days later I emailed the guy. I was like, I was beating myself up. Right emailed the guy back and I was like, I am so sorry. Uh, I hope I didn't blow this. If you still want to talk, I'd love to chat. Um, and he, I was forgiving of myself and then his response was completely forgiving of me as well. And so I think that if you remember that everybody's a human being and we're all struggling in our own ways, um, for me, it was that I, I'm neck deep in a home renovation and I just didn't pay attention the way that I should have. My, my attention was elsewhere, but I was just really upfront about that. I was like, look, I totally screwed up. I'm really sorry. If you'd give me a chance, I'd love to talk to you. And he was like, yeah, sure. I had a busy week too. No problem. And so, nice. you know, even a year ago, two years ago, I, I would have, I would have been in knots over something like that. And now it's like, okay, so I screwed up, you know, you own up to it and move on. Well, I think that's a really great note to end on, Chris. Um, regular listeners know that this is when we read out a review of the show. And today I'm giving a shout out to Heather Woods, writer from New Zealand. And Heather says, anyone that is a copywriter or wants to be one should be listening to this podcast. The sheer volume of knowledge you can learn cannot be found in any textbook. It's not just a podcast. It's an education. My God, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Heather. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. Both work. Your review help other copywriters find us. And of course, just like Heather, we'll give you a shout out on the show. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com where I'm going to have lots of links about the things that we talked about and lots of links on how you can find Chris. So thank you very much, Chris. This was a really cool chat. So good to talk to you. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
I don't want to look well, weird. No, you don't look weird. You need to stop jiggling the laptop though, because you're kind of making me. I was, trying, I was trying to get the right angle. <laughs> right. Like this has to be. I'm feeling a little car sick. <laughs>